beginning. All right, welcome to the Grief Dreams podcast. My name is Sean Ram, alongside Dr. Joshua Black. Beautiful, beautiful time of the year. It's summer, and we get to enjoy being outside. And in Canada, that is a rare, rare thing to do. So, like, it's only four months, people. But uh, thank you for tuning in, for listening, all our listeners all across the world, and especially today, our listeners in Australia. We have one of your own, one of your citizens. Uh, on the podcast, and uh, she's brave enough to come on and, and share her life and her story. So we have on today Nikki Wilson, and she is full-time at the Electricity Company while also studying full-time at the University of Melbourne. She will be graduating with a Bachelor's of Environment degree currently in her final semester. While in university, she had been taking creative writing classes as elective subjects, and uh, just semester, she had been writing for a nonfiction class and decided to write about grief dreams after having uh, personal experiences with them. She finds the subject very interesting as there is not a lot of research on the topic and she's wanting to further her writing career after graduation. Nikki, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. It was amazing that you reached out to me uh, and just asked some questions about grief dreams because of your assignment. I thought it was, we had an amazing conversation and you allowed me to actually read what you're writing, which I thought was really cool and uh, special for me to be able to see this. And and you are, are did you finally finish the paper? I did, yes. I submitted it about two months ago. So it took me like 14 drafts, but I got there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What was that process like for you, like writing it down? Did it like bring up some stuff? Yeah, it did, especially about like my friend and my stepsister because it was so long ago I guess I didn't realize I was still holding on to a lot of undealt with emotion so it was very hard when I was just going through and living through the events again yeah I noticed that too when you're writing and so some of your dreams weren't always so positive and so you can see there was a, a lot there and, and we'll talk about the losses too but yeah I was uh, I was really honored to have read it and for you to sort of reach out and share your dreams with me so I just want to say thank you and Thank you for doing some research, too, because it wasn't just like you just did it. You were actually searching for some stuff out there to make sense of the topic as you're writing it. Yeah, it was really hard to actually find research on that. You were the only person that I could actually find. So I was just really glad to find someone who was actually researching it. That's nice. And so uh, did you, have you got your mark back yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I actually did pretty well, and she told me to publish it. But oh, I, I'm not sure nice. if I want to. <laughs> That's so exciting. That's amazing. You could actually do like some deep, you know, grief work, right? And write it on paper and then someone to actually then give you a nice grade. That's that's the best feeling at the end of it all because there was said like there's a lot of emotions involved in that. And it's 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 scary sometimes opening up to a stranger. Yeah, definitely. I was very nervous. I had to share it with my class as well. So oh. everyone read it in front of me and then we talked about it. So it was a good experience though. Wow. So what was that like? Yeah. That's, a, that's a different story. Because usually when we do essays, uh, we just like submit it and then we get a mark back from the TA or prof. So yeah, they actually read it? Your class read it? Yeah. So with like the creative writing classes, we have like a workshop. So you bring your work in that you're working on and then everyone reads it and they edit it for you and they tell you like what you can do better, what's not working oh, and gosh. what's working. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would be a little bit daunting, no? Because uh, I, uh, it would be tough, I guess. But I, I bet your teacher probably structures it so people aren't criticizing like randomly. They're kind of like looking at things you've already talked about. Yeah, yeah. And um, if there's anything like sensitive or something like that, we can tell them before we start workshopping it. So it's not too bad. And the class was really supportive, so it was good. What kind of feedback did you get from your classmates? Um. I think everyone was a bit hesitant to actually critique it because it was such like a personal issue, <laughs> but everyone found it really interesting, like especially the research on grief dreams because there's a few other people who had experienced it as well, but mm. obviously it's something that you don't talk about because people just think you're insane, so yeah. <laughs> well, that's why we got you on the podcast to sort of say you're not insane. <laughs> this is a this is a thing, and it's like... Most people have these dreams, just they don't talk about it. So that's kind of cool. People uh, said that they had the experience themselves. Did you ever end up chatting with them about their dreams? No, not really. They just sort of were like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've experienced that as well. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
That's uh well I'm glad I'm glad it all went well. And said so, like and you had this extra thing of almost sharing it's almost like sharing your grief to a general audience, um, which you're not most people don't get a chance to do. And so really you're gonna you have to do it again. So that was your practice round. So this is the real thing on the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little a little prep work. I got a I got a quick question actually, um, before we really get into your losses and a little bit of your life is uh, I recently saw a post about uh, a spider in Australia called the, I think it's a, the Huntsman spider. Do yep. you know, do you know of this spider? <laughs> do you yeah. Know any? <laughs> do you know any? We get them a lot, but they're not dangerous. So it's fine. Oh, okay. Cause then the post. You it... them with a shoe or something. <laughs> That's it. Eh? Cause I saw the post and it was like, uh, what was it about? It was about this, a guy who, took a photo in a cabin of the huntsman spider above his door eating a small possum. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Oh, okay. As on that <laughs> have people have people in Australia learned to conquer their fear of spiders? Like how do you guys live there? Um, <laughs> we don't see them that much. So oh, okay. Yeah. So you don't see them that much, but it's just the idea. Like for us, for me, where I live in Canada, uh, we don't really have any poisonous spiders. I've heard of some Black Widow sightings, but it's very, very rare. And usually in like BC, British Columbia. But I think we have a, a little bit of a safety nest because we don't have those type of dangerous poisonous spiders. But in Australia, I think, uh, you know, you have a few of them. So like, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get how... You don't have some people who are just constantly in fear. Um, Tell me. I, I don't know. <laughs> I know a few people who are afraid of spiders, but like we're not. There's not spiders everywhere. Like I'm from a rural area, so we had like a few like redbacks, if you know what they are, things like that. But mm, it's dangerous. Yeah. All right. So I guess you're used to it, and you're like you know what, there's obviously a lot of other poisonous things here, so why discriminate? You can also be scared of snakes. Exactly, okay. there's a lot more snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's a, you know what, though? It's a beautiful place. I haven't been there, but from what I hear, and I think we're, we're, we're more similar than we are different. Uh, that fact alone, I probably will only, would only visit, maybe not live there, but I think uh, <laughs> I, lo- I love the country, and I love talking to uh, all our Australian uh, New Zealand, South Pacific fans. All right. So uh, now we talked about spiders. Well, I just wanted to mention that because I recently saw that. And then I also, one of the scariest scenes I've ever seen in a movie is in Lord of the Rings where those big spiders come down. I don't know if you, have you seen that movie. I haven't seen it. I've seen the uh, Harry Potter one, though, where all the spiders come out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're all, yeah. That's equally a square, oh, okay. actually. Remember we saw that? We saw that yeah. recently. Yeah. With That's the true. spider that talks and it's children. That was creepy. But uh, for me, for, and for a lot of older people, I'm sure the, the classic scary spider movies, Arachnophobia. Have you seen that? Probably not. No. <laughs> Josh, you've seen that? Arachnophobia? Oh, man. Listeners, <laughs> only we can talk about this. But like, it is a scary, scary movie. Um, I think John Candy's in it. I'm not really sure. But that really, that created the fear, I think. But I think there's something innate in us. But um. Anyways, let's move on. Moving on. Let's keep this uh, show rolling. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so you're are you officially done now, or when does your school semester actually end? Um, I've just finished one semester, and I start again in I think two weeks, and it's my final semester. Oh no way! I'll be done so forever. Forever. So you're not going on to do your MA or anything? Um, I'm thinking about it, but I think I'll apply and then defer for a year and just see if I still want to do it later. That's, I think that's really smart. Yeah, because like life changes you. And as you get out there and see what you want, like for me, it was daunting. After I finished my undergrad, I tried to figure out, I thought, you know, oh, I got an undergrad degree. I'm going to conquer the world and get like any job I want. <laughs> and then, then I came to the stark reality. It's not the case. They sold me on the lie. <laughs> and so with that, I, I had like a lot of... Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, to tell you the truth also. So I uh, I waited two years. And then within that time, that's when I started working with the bereaved. And they told me about their dreams. And so I decided to do an MA after that. And then here I am with a PhD now on the topic. So 
yeah, it's amazing what even a year can do and give you guidance on what you want to do and where you want to go uh, in life. So, yeah, hopefully it's like that you, you get to figure that out. Um, but you said you want to do creative writing when you're done. Yeah, I do really like writing, but I just don't know if I can make a career out of it. So I feel like I should just sort of keep it as a side project for a while. Um, yeah, until I decide what I want to do, I guess. Mm. Yeah, well, what what's the, your degrees in environmental studies, right? Yeah, um, and- so it's, I'm studying environmental geography. So it's mostly like sustainability and climate change and things like that. Mm. So why did you get into that? Like all the things like you, why did you choose that? Um, I guess I've always been really interested in it, but career-wise, I feel like there's not a lot of job opportunities now, unless I want to go to like an NGO or something like that. Um, but it's really competitive as well. So I just don't really know what I want to do yet. <laughs> right. This is life. This is our journey, right? We're trying to figure things out as we go. And, you know, you said some people on the podcast have careers and have this direction, but not everyone in life has that. And we talked to a bunch of people who have like five careers in their life that they keep switching because they change and then maybe their job gets boring. But, you know, I have uh, I have faith that you'll you'll figure this out and it won't be as scary as, you know, maybe what I went through in the sense of feeling so lost because I was like almost like taken back by it because I didn't really sort of have a, a goal uh moving forward because my dad just died too so there's like the the double header there but yeah so at the at the end uh i hope you can do something with it at the end of the day because you spent how long was it four years that you're spending so far in uh in university technically but because i've been working full-time as well some semesters i only did like two subjects so it's been like six years for me to finish it I think that's, uh, you know, I just I was reading through your bio and obviously just talking to you now. I think that's a great move that you're doing working as you're going to school, because if 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 one thing that it teaches you, it'll teach you what you'll be able to focus in on what you like to do and what you don't like to do, because, uh, you know, you're kind of you're working at kind of a regular job, right? At the electric company. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think it's a bit different in America. I don't think you have. Do you have electricity retailers? Um, that's a good question. Like, what do they do? Like different type of just, uh, utility offices. Um, you know how you sort of choose your phone plan? Yeah. Yeah. It's like that, but electricity. Okay. So in Canada, we, that's already determined for us. So they'll say something like, oh, these two cities are controlled by this electric company. So that they, that they've determined that already, but they do change based off region. So for you guys, you actually select? Yeah. So we have different retailers. So I work for a retailer. Um, so basically we have like different prices. So we compete against other retailers basically. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, look, I think a job like that, because you're going to obviously have a lot of things that you don't like about that job, but there might be some things that you do and you can take that with you. And that becomes kind of like your resume if you will of what you like to do and then keeping with these projects you don't have to get serious about creative writing or anything else but only like do it just to develop your skill and your craft and be passionate about it and do it for fun because you never know what can come out of that if you keep doing it um, and then just don't give up that dream and be patient because again you're still young uh, you're 23 uh, you know I'm still figuring it out. So I think, I think uh, at that time, it's hard because you're at that age. So it's hard to kind of be patient because you're like, this is, I'm old, I'm 23. But like, <laughs> again, you know, when you, when you turn to my age and you're 35, you look back and you're like, wow, I had so much time that, that I, that I could have done that if I was 23. But Hey, I think you're doing it. And uh, you obviously made some bold uh, steps and some great decisions. And, here you are on this podcast, growing up as we speak. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I definitely feel like I don't have time. So I agree with that. But <laughs> well, you know what makes you feel like that? Because you got bills to pay. And that's the terrible thing about life is that we have to pay these bills. But, you know, again, you know, props to you because you you're like you're out there working. You're you know, you're doing both. And, and that's and hey, my hat goes off to all the young people out there today who have to do that. And I think it's good for them. 
because it, it'll it'll develop some skills uh, that'll help them down the road. But uh, you know, it's unfortunate that they can't just focus on school. But at the end of the day, we've got to look at the the silver lining. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so when we talked before, you mentioned, or even just reading your paper that you wrote, you mentioned you've had a couple losses throughout your life, and really early on. I think the first one you were were you around like seventeen, I believe. Um, and so can we, yeah. can we talk about maybe mm-hmm. some of those losses and maybe like the relationship you had with those people? Yeah. Um, so I guess my first, <clears throat> sorry, I'm losing my voice. Um, my first real experience was when I was in year 11 at school. So I was 17. Um, I was at boarding school. And when you get really sick and you can't stay in the sick bay anymore, you get sent home. So one of my friends, she was really sick, so she went home, which was perfectly normal. But then one day we all got called into like the hall where we had assemblies, um, and they told us that she had cancer and it was too late, and there was nothing they could really do about it. Um, so yeah, like about a week or so later, she was actually dating one of the girls in the house that I was in. So I just heard her crying, and I knew what had happened. So that was my first experience, and we we're both really young as well. And what was that like hearing it? Because you didn't get like you heard it from the school, which is weird, rather than like the person or or something else. So was it weird for like the people in the school to be like to know to know that? Like I, yeah, I've never because I've never like heard like someone calling a. I'm not sure what boarding school how that's different from the schools we have. But like, I've never heard that before. Like they really stop what's going on and say, hey, this is what's going on to a student here. I think, yeah, I think it was just more like shock. Like it's hard to believe that it's happening. And in a boarding school environment, like you have what's called a house mom. So they're basically like your parents. So it's not like you can hear it off a parent or someone within the family because they're obviously already grieving. So at least it was good that everyone was together. Like you had a lot of friends that were going through the same thing, but because we were so young and I guess with grief, there's this kind of expectation that you don't grieve for too long and you kind of just pick yourself up and keep going. Um, it was very hard. And, and what was the person's name that died? Uh, Taylor. And so like, how do you remember Taylor? Like what was your relationship like with her? Um, when I started at school, I was, in year nine so I was like 14 so she was one of my closest friends and the weird thing is now like my strongest memory is we had to do like work experience so everyone else went home but I stayed in the boarding house because I was doing work experience around there with Taylor and I just remember she was just really sick like pretty much the whole time we were doing work experience so it's strange that that's like my strongest memory of her now but yeah we were pretty close and then I guess towards year 11, we kind of drifted apart as you do in high school. So I guess there's also that idea that, well, I don't really deserve to grieve because I wasn't as close to her as other people were. Did you like minimize your grief because of that? Because you thought that because you weren't as good as friends as you used to be, that you shouldn't have this like this, this suffering? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think I didn't really deal with it until I went to her funeral and that was probably like the biggest shock to me. And that was actually when I heard, had like the first dream about her. I think I just, I just had a lot of trouble understanding that she was actually dead. Like she wasn't here anymore. Even at the funeral, I was like, this just isn't real. And, like even seeing her coffin and like her mum thought it would be a good idea for all of us to go up and sign the coffin. So as I was doing that, I think that's when it all hit me because I was right there dealing with like the the idea that she was in the coffin. So what, you just like signed your name on the coffin? Yeah, it was kind of strange. Like it was a nice idea, but for a 17 year old, that was like very confronting, I guess. Um, so I just like wrote this little message about this book series we used to read. Um, we used to say it to each other all the time. So I just left that quote on there for her. Mm. And so what was that quote? I love you like Dimitri loves Rose. Hmm. What's that mean? <laughs> um it's this book series you've probably never heard of it um i think it's called vampire academy or something it's not very good but we were like obsessed with it that's interesting yeah it's um that's a tough thing to really take in when you're young it's 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 a very hard thing because 
you know, you're, you've got a lot of other stuff going on, a lot of growing up to do. And, you know, kids have exciting futures and they're looking forward and, you know, they're so, a lot of them are, you know, innocent at that age, but when death comes, it's, it brings you back into, a, it introduces you into a different world. Like a, it throws you into that adult world really. And uh, it just, but it, I, it sucks. I, I wish kids and young people didn't have to go through that. Uh, unfortunately, it is a reality. I remember when I was in grade nine at my uh, school, Sir Winston, and we had a student, his name is Stephen Arado, and he was crossing the street. Uh, he's re- he was really thin and frail, and he had this really heavy book bag, and he was crossing the street, and this car just went too fast and you know crashed into him, and he, he died. And I went to his funeral, and uh, it was... It was very, yeah, it was very real. And when you're a kid at 16, 17, and, you know, again, you don't, it's a new world. You know, I saw his family mourning, you know, everybody around him. And it just put into perspective, like, hey, this was a real, this was just a kid. This was just a person. He was loved by his family. You know, people cared for him. So, you know, I I definitely feel um, what you went through. Do you think about her uh, to this day? Yeah, sometimes I think that I still see her, which is really weird. Like, I'll be sitting on a tram and I'll see someone that looks like her and I'll be like, oh, it's Taylor. And, like, for, like, a second, I actually forget that it just can't be her. And then I, like, remember it all again. Yeah, I hear that a lot from people. Um, they said, like, it's, it's there are people that do look like, like, I've, I've there's people that look like my dad, right? Like, just the way he, he was. And it's almost like when you start, when you squint, you get more detail, you're like, oh, no, that's not him. But they look so, like, so similar. So you're, like, almost wishing it was in a way. Um, but, yeah, that is sad because, you know, like, the moment you realize it can't be or it's not, then you're acknowledging the loss over again, which can be difficult. Yeah. And so yeah. for the funeral, was it an open casket or was it a closed casket? It was closed. Um, oh, okay. So I couldn't actually see her in there, but I think that actually made it harder because I don't know. I've just always had like such a hard time believing that she's not there, I guess. I think that makes sense. I think that's the positive of having an open casket is for people to understand that who's in there because it's really just a box that someone's saying someone's in there, but we, we sometimes need to just verify ourselves. And so my dad's was an open casket and as much as it was good to see him. It's also a little different too, seeing someone that that's dead. It's one of the first times. And so, like for you, Zach, I remember you shared the dream. So I'm guessing this relates to your dream a lot in the sense of the imagery. Can you share the dream that you had uh, soon after this? Yeah. So on the we were all on a mini bus back to the boarding school after her funeral. Um, so I fell asleep and I dreamt that her friends were like lifting her casket and carrying it down the middle of the church like that's carrying her away and then I don't remember it exactly but someone tripped and fell and the casket like opened up but instead of I was like fully braced for her body to come out but it wasn't her it was like a, a mannequin and just the head just rolled out and then I just jolted awake after that <laughs> wow that's wild that probably uh, confirms what Josh was saying in terms of like you know, maybe you just didn't have the full resolution around it. Like, again, like there is something to seeing. I, I saw, yeah, I saw all of my dead uh, relatives when I went to their funerals, their bodies. And, and it, it did add uh, closure, something to it, right? Like you see them for the last time. It, it's kind of like, I guess, if you didn't have last words with someone that you'd have that regret or, or like, oh, I wish they were positive and not negative so i think for me personally that was uh something that i kind of clued into and then yeah yeah that dream's wild (laughs) yeah (laughs) what'd you think when the mannequin come out you're just like shocked yeah i think i was just shocked but i was also a bit scared i don't know it was so strange because like at that time obviously i was young and i couldn't really understand what it meant um but now looking back on it i'm like it was just because I hadn't processed it. Like I hadn't realized she was actually gone. And I was still not believing that she was gone. Did you ever ask anyone or tell anyone about that dream after it happened? No, I don't think I did. I don't think I even told my mom until like two or three years ago. <laughs> wow. It's it's interesting. And it's interesting what people hold on to 
because you said like it probably you still remember it so it had to do something to you to make it memorable because there's a ton of dreams that we have when we wake up that we forget by the time we you know brush your teeth or you know go have breakfast but this one is staying with you to this day and so i'm glad you can get a little bit more understanding about maybe why because it said like it, it was sitting there for a reason yeah yeah definitely have you had any other ones any more positive ones ever or no um, not about Taylor. That was the only time I ever dreamt about her, wow. but about my uncle, I guess so. Yes. So I guess it's a good time to, do you want to talk about, oh, is that, no, let's talk about the next loss after, after Taylor, um, that you had. Yes. So can you talk about that and who that was? Yeah. So before Taylor died, we found out that my stepsister had terminal cancer as well. And she only had, I think they gave her like nine months to live after that. So um, I think maybe four, five months after Taylor died, I actually found out from the school again that my stepsister Tegan had died as well from cancer. Um, but this time I think it was just a bit different because I expected it. Like I knew she was going to die. So um, I was actually taken from my art class to like the head of the school and then told to call my mom. So I called my mom. And she just told me that Tegan had passed away the night before and they'd put her in a coma so that she wasn't in pain. And then she just passed away um, easily overnight. And she asked me if I wanted to go to the funeral, but I think because I was still dealing with Taylor's death and had just been to that funeral, I just said, no, like I can't, I can't do it again. Yeah, that's understandable. It's like, it's just like a, it's a double loss, a double whammy. And you're, you're still trying to process it and understand the reality of it. And it's hard to deal with too. It just opens up so much more. And so do you ever have any regrets? Or did you have any regrets not going, um, looking back? Sometimes, but I think at the time it was a good decision to not go because I was still grieving a lot. And I feel like it definitely would have been just too much for me. Um, I don't think my mom realized either. I don't think she realized how much Taylor's death had affected me. So that having Tegan's death on top of that, I was just a mess for the rest of my final year of high school, basically. Wow. So did you ever talk to anyone about it since you have the, the double loss? Did you ever talk to your family or was it just something you tried to work on yourself? I'm not very good at talking about my emotions with people. And I, I You're guess doing a good I just job now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it's very hard. <laughs> um, I guess I was trying to deal with it on my own. And also, I was just under this impression that, well, I wasn't that close to them. So I don't have, like, the right to grieve. Like, you know, my stepdad obviously is grieving a lot more than me. And, like, everyone else is grieving a lot more than me. So I just sort of pushed it down and didn't really talk to anyone about it when I probably should have because, yeah. like I said, I really struggled. But I know, I guess I just didn't feel like I had anyone I could talk to about it that would be understanding. Like, I felt like everyone would be judgmental of it. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, even in my life, I I, I had um, you know uncles passed away when I was young, maybe less than a teenager. Yeah, for sure. And I rem I remember similar feelings. Like no one, I mean, my parents talked to me a little bit, but overall, I I felt compelled to kind of. It was less about having space for me to grieve and more about being there for, let's say, my mom. If my my uncle died or her brother or my dad. And and I so I had those type of similar thoughts where it was more about, well, I'll you know, I'll let them that's more for them. Um and I think, yeah, that's as a kid, you know, again, there's not a lot of guidance. And you and you're learning, you're experiencing new things in the world and how to process things and how to, you know, feel these emotions, a lot of them, especially revolving around death that are new. So, you know, it, it's, yeah, I can I definitely, uh, I feel similar in, in that, in that story of uh, not being able to maybe have a space, space designated for me at that time. Do you uh, feel now, I mean, obviously you wrote about, you wrote about grief dreams, but is writing uh, helping you kind of uh, work through some of those things? Yeah, um, I definitely think it did. I think doing the research as well has made me understand the grieving process a lot more as well because 
I kind of look back on like the way I was and like why I was so upset all the time like well it makes a lot of sense now because I was grieving and I just didn't have anyone to sort of talk me through the process or the stages and I just kept trying to continue on with my life without acknowledging any of it so it's probably yeah it's definitely been like therapeutic I suppose. Oh, that's good. I'm I'm really happy to hear that. And I'm, so, I'm really sad to hear about the different losses and to try to do it alone. You know, that's uh, it's almost the worst feeling to try to do that because it's, it's very, it's, you don't know. And you said like, what happens is we do things almost unconsciously because we're suppressing it. And so I said like, you had a lot of, you said anger, is that what you said? You had anger? Was I angry? Yeah. Is that, is that what you just said? I, just, I forgot. Was it anger that you had or was it? I think I was just like upset. Upset. Okay. All right. So that's where, so that's how it came out. It came out in sort of this like negative behavior towards others. I think, yeah, not so much towards others, but like towards myself. Like I just, I don't know, I guess I stopped trying at school and that affected me, but not enough that anyone could notice that I was struggling, I suppose. And I was just sad, like a lot of the time. And I, there was no valid reason for why I was so upset that I could process as like being so young like I just didn't know what was happening were you looking forward to maybe a change in life moving forward maybe you know leaving the um, boarding school yeah I couldn't wait to get out of there and like start my real life (laughs) yeah that's yeah I'm just picturing like you know going through that at your age and and having that happen so you're 16 17 18 what what have you it can put a real cloud over your your head when you're going through school last couple years because i imagine like you know you're pretty close with the people you go to class with how many how big were the classes or how many were in your school um i think in my year level maybe like 300 maybe more i'm not entirely sure but um being in the boarding house, I was pretty close to all the, the girls there. So that was yeah. good. But I still didn't really feel comfortable telling them that I was struggling, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I can I, I can imagine it. And that's a small that's a small number of people, to be honest, because if you're spending that much time with them, you know, that can get real intimate um, in yeah. general. And, and you're around the same people in the same environments and you feel a cloud over your head and you've got these things going on and facing seeing death at that early age can kind of uh take a little bit of the hope out of life a little bit of the dream out of life but uh you know i so at that point you were like you know i i'm ready i'm ready to move on and go through this and that's when you uh, i'm assuming made that decision to go to melbourne university of melbourne yeah um so i went to school in new south wales so i actually moved back to melbourne after i graduated so it was, yeah, it was definitely a good idea. And I was definitely very keen to move states and just to get out of that environment and to start fresh. Wow. Yeah, it's interesting. You're right. Like the triggers of you know, where, like where the emotions are and like where you are and trying to move forward. Um, did you have a dream, I believe you did, of Tegan? Yeah. I can't remember if it was like the night after that I found out or the night before because my mom had been on the phone to me the day before telling me that Tegan was in a lot of pain and that she was screaming. So I actually had this dream that I was in the hospital with her and I felt like I was in a familiar place and I could see her in her bed and she was just screaming and like grabbing onto the edges of the bed. Like clearly she was in pain, but there was like this curtain in front of me. Like it wasn't a real curtain. I don't know how to explain it. It was like a haze kind of so that I couldn't get to her and I just couldn't move and I couldn't reach her and I just kept trying to get forward to help her because she was in so much pain, but I just couldn't get there. So that was the first dream I had of her. Yeah, it's interesting. Like knowing the time, if you had it after, that makes sense of you know, when your mom said it, and then it's just like you're replaying that memory and you, you just can't be there. Um, yeah. Her, right? Yeah. If it was before, that's interesting too. It's a sad dream. It's a sad dream to have uh, that, you know, like I said, you, you, can't, you can't be there for her. As you said, like, and you started suppressing your emotions um, with the grief. So have you had any more positive dreams of her afterwards? Or is that sort of, is that it for for Tegan? Um, I didn't dream about her for ages. And then about a month ago, I had a dream about her, which is really weird because 
it's been like five, six years now. And I was in, we lived together before I went to boarding school in this house in Tasmania. And I was in that house and all the furniture had gone and there was just this picture of her sitting like on the back of a couch, which is really strange. And I felt really scared, like, you know, and like the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. That's how I was feeling. And so I said to the picture, I was like, are you here? And then it just fell to the ground, like suddenly. And I was like, oh my gosh, like she's here. And I was like really afraid. So the picture like went back up onto the couch. I'm not sure how. And then I just said, are you, are you angry? And it didn't say anything and it didn't move. And then I just felt really calm and just started walking around the house and everything looked the same, just no furniture. Um, then the next day I like messaged my mom and I was like, oh, I had this really weird dream about Tegan last night. Like I was in my old house and she was just like, oh, like David just sold the house. So it must have been about that. And I had no idea that David had sold the house. And there was new people moving in. So, yeah, it was really weird. Yeah, that's wild. So what did you take take that afterwards to be? Um, I guess after I spoke to my mom, because my mom is like a big believer in like the spirits talking to you through your dreams. Um, I was like, well, she must be telling us she's okay with the house being sold because it was her childhood home. Like she grew up there. So, yeah, I, I just took it as she was fine. She was she was moving on and that everything was okay. And I just felt so calm. So it was hard to not believe that she was telling me it was okay. Oh, that's cool. That's, a, that's, that's great. And yeah, you forget like when like the parents would have had to sell that home and what that would have meant to them and their grief process of the memories of her, their child that would have been there. That's wild. And so you talked to your mom about these dreams. Like what does she say about these dreams? She has also had these dreams. So she's told me about them as she's grown up. So I think I've always been very open to it. So, yeah, she believes that it's like the person that's passed away talking to us or like giving us a message or something like that. So, yeah, she's had a lot of her own experiences with them as well. Growing up, did you think your mom was a little bit odd? (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I still do, but... (laughs) I'm just wondering because my mom was like that when I was growing up. So <laughs> there's moments where I was like, hmm, no one else in my family says things like this. So it's a little bit strange. But uh, I think it's also like that probably, I think like that's one of the reasons I'm probably more open to the dream world because I had experience of having a mom who talked about her dreams. So I, I, I could imagine. And you said that, like that, that kind of like made you more open to it. Yeah. I, yeah, it was just me and her growing up. So I guess, I don't know, I just took it as normal that <laughs> it was normal to have these dreams. I don't know. <laughs> You're right, but people would have thought you were wrong. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it's very interesting. So how does she take these negative dreams? I know a lot of people who are spiritual, they'll take it as a visitation or they, they, they can, especially the positive dreams. But there's some people who take negative dreams as a, like a haunting or that something's wrong. Did your mom, like how does your mom think about those dreams? I don't think I've ever actually spoken to her about like the negative ones that I've had, I guess, because I just didn't want to have that conversation about why I had the dream and my emotions and things like that. But I don't think she's had any negative ones either. So yeah, I don't know. I'd have to talk to her about it. Yeah. Well, it's just interesting, right? Because a lot of times when people, like I've, I've heard so many people, they, cause they, all they hear is these positive dreams. And then when they have a negative one, it goes right towards that because they're not as common. So, you know, like it's interesting, just interesting to sort of clarify that to see I wonder what people do think about or what she does think about that. And well, now, you know, about the research and stuff is a lot easier, but some people, I wonder if she would think it as a, as a haunting or something. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. Cause I'm trying to think about when my mom, I think I was more hesitant to share negative things with my mom because I was worried she'd go in it negative thing like like if let's say i had like some dream about you know spiders coming down or whatever whatever and from my ceiling that's a that's a reoccurring dream anyways <laughs> not anymore but it was but let's say that was you know my horror my dream uh you know i'd be afraid my mom would say something like well it's because you don't clean your room or whatever you know so you associated with something in real life but uh positive ones like she definitely associated with like stuff like she like if i saw my grandfather in a dream she'd be like oh you know he's, he's probably guiding you on something so i could 
I definitely probably steered away from negative stuff. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I just don't want to tell her the negative stuff in case she <laughs> sort of clarifies what I'm thinking that it's like negative <laughs> and like the person's not okay. So, yeah. <laughs> you got to do some ritual or something to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Uh, all right. So, uh, lastly, you want to move to uh, your uncle? Yeah, your uncle who died. If you want to talk about maybe your relationship with him uh, growing up, because I know you, uh, we're going to show a picture of of him and you in the, and uh, I guess in the ad advertisements, what it's called, the uh, the promotional material. So can you talk a little about like your relationship with him growing up? Yeah, so I guess he was always sort of in and out of my life. So he would kind of have fights with the family and disappear for a bit. Also, he lived in a different state. So I think like my earliest memory was when I was about seven, which is when that photo is from. He came over to Melbourne, it was my seventh birthday and they like threw a surprise party for me so i had to like take him and like show him my toys and stuff and then i came out and they set up a cake and everything and that was like my earliest memory but yeah as i was growing up he was kind of there but not really there he'd sort of just come in when it was convenient for him i guess and then as i was going through high school for my 18th birthday he reached out to me and he was meant to come to my graduation and my deb but he couldn't because he got a new job and then he was in a uh, motorbike accident. So after the accident, I actually went up to Queensland and stayed with him for about two weeks. But then he had a fight with my mom. So then there was a big fallout with the whole family again. And I was kind of just torn between him and my mom. So it was really hard because I wanted him in my life, but he kept coming and going. So I couldn't really have him in there. But yeah, that was the last time I saw him was in Queensland about five years ago. Well, yeah, this is tough because there's so many, like so much dynamics that you really don't have control over because you're going with whatever your mom's doing, right? And so you can't really see them without your mom knowing and your mom making mad or something. So yeah, it's tough that, you know, I see it was in and out. And so um, what did you, what happened when, how did you hear about the loss, first of all? I was at work. So I worked in conservation, basically just planting trees. And I was sitting on um, the van back to the train station and my grandma called me and I was like, oh, I can't be bothered dealing with my grandma right now. So I didn't answer it. And then she kept calling me and I was like, oh, something, there must be something wrong. So I answered at the train station and she was just really calm and it was just so strange. Um, and she was just like, oh, Uncle Chris has died. And my first thought was, oh, it must have been a motorbike accident. And then I was like, oh, how? And she was just like, he hung himself. And those are her exact words. And I just remember her just being so calm as she told me. And I was like, oh, okay, well, like, does mum know? And she was just like, no. So I had to try and contact my mum, but I was at the train station in a public area and I just hate crying in public. So the whole time until I got home, I was like, just don't cry, just don't cry. And then uh, my boyfriend at the time picked me up at the train station. I got in the car and I just, it burst into tears and I just kept saying it was my fault it's my fault and then he just my like boyfriend just didn't know what to do he was just in utter shock so yeah and then I spent the next maybe like two hours trying to contact my mum to tell her what had happened because she lives in like a rural area where there's not much service so I actually had to call um, her neighbour to go over and knock on her door to get her to call me so that I could tell her what had happened Wow, that's a that's a horrifying way to find out, and just yeah. the way you said, like the way it was said too, like the lack of emotion stuff. It's just like it's hard to process it all. And so, why did you think it was your fault? Um, I so I started talking to him again like a year beforehand because I was going overseas. So we started to develop a relationship again, and I said to him do not let the family drama like affect our relationship. Like you can have a fight with mom, but don't let it affect your relationship with me. But he did. So we stopped talking again. And the last time I spoke to him, I just had a fight with him and I blocked him on everything. And I just, I was just being a brat. Like there was no reason for me to like get that angry at him. So I guess, and he'd spoken to me about like his depression and like how much he was struggling so I knew about it and I felt like I should have just been there for him and just 
like I blocked him like even if he wanted to talk to me he couldn't have so I think there's just that guilt that I could have helped him but I didn't right I understand that yeah wow and so how have you worked through that because you're talking about it now which tells me that you've done some work um you're not suppressing it so how did you work through those emotions or those feelings um I think just time just made it easier and as I've grown older obviously I'm looking back and I'm like well it wouldn't have been my fault like he was struggling he chose to do what he did because he just couldn't do it anymore like it was his choice and I'm sure he's in a happier place now like I don't think anyone could have stopped him because he tried before and he wasn't getting better so yeah you can't really blame anyone it's just his choice in the end that's a very difficult situation to live through and it just on it honestly reminded me of my childhood where there was uh family members that were in and out of my life uncles uh that would come and go and as a child you're helpless like josh said and uh it's not in your control and it's sad because you know as a child for me i just wanted to be a normal and b uh have a relationship with uncles that because if for the most part i had positive memories of them but you know there'd be like stretches where oh you know our parents aren't talking to each other so it's like two, three years where I'm not seeing anybody, not seeing my cousins, not seeing my uncles. And um, again, it was a, a part of my life that I felt like something was missing. Did you did you feel like that? Where like, because you didn't get to have, I guess, the relationship that you wanted with your uncle, that uh, that part was, wasn't quite there, what you wanted it to be? Yeah, I guess. Um, I guess I just felt very alone as I was growing up because it was just me and my mom. Um, so to have that extra person was always really comforting. And like, I always found that I was very similar to him, like his, the way he like handled his emotions and things like that is very similar to me. So he was just very good to talk to. Um, and he provided like a lot of guidance to me. So when he was in my life, it was, it was great because I could send him my uni assignments and he would help edit them for me. And like, it was just really helpful having that extra person that I felt like I could go to for support. Yeah. And that's, that's what you want out of family, right? Like you see people around you and, you know, people have whether whatever that you don't have, what if you're missing a parent, you know, you see people with parents that can be tough. You know, you go in life and you see people with uncles and aunts and great family situations and you look at yours and you're like, wow, I never got to experience that. And, you know, especially with, if it's just you and your mom, that's probably something that you, you know, really yearned for and, and you worked on it. You definitely worked on it. Cause you know, some kids might not reach out to family members or uncles and stuff. But you you said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to give it a shot and try to build this relationship, even when your mom wasn't. So I think, you know, that takes a lot of courage. So kudos for you for that. That that takes courage to want to build that relationship. Yeah, it was yeah, it was hard at the time. And I felt like I couldn't really tell my mom that I was talking to him. So that made it even harder. Wow. Wow. And then so you you had a dream. Was it soon after like the other two dreams like it was like the next day like or did it take a little longer to have the first dream of him um yeah I think it was maybe two days after <laughs> I like went home to my mom's so I could like help her and I just had this dream that I was planting trees because my contract had just ended so I didn't have a job so I was really stressed that I wasn't going to get another job and I was just running around planting these trees and like I heard his voice like I couldn't see him but it was like coming from behind me and he was just saying like I'm it's gonna be okay like I'm gonna help you like you're gonna get another job like it's gonna be okay and I was like no no stop like you don't know to keep helping me like because he would always help and like give money when like he wasn't in a position where he could so I was like no you just just rest like it's fine like I'm gonna be okay and he's just like no 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 like I'm gonna help you and then like the dream just started to fade away and I woke up and then maybe like a week later I got another job so it was super oh. weird <laughs> that's wild that's actually really exciting <laughs> yeah is that the job you have now or what job was yeah, job? still the same job okay <laughs> that's that's pretty cool and so how'd you like in the beginning you're probably like oh I don't know you know like that's true or not because you have so much doubt right so much fear that you won't get one so what was the experience like when you got the job looking back at the dream um 
I guess there is a part of me that thinks that he was looking out for me because like through this job, I just met these people that have really helped me through the journey because I started the job maybe like a month after he'd passed away. So yeah, I was pretty excited when I got the job. At first I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I should believe my dream. Like maybe I'm just a bit insane. Like, I don't know, (laughs) but I like to believe that he helped me in some way. Well, it's nice. It's nice, like feeling that continuing bond because you said you're you're spiritual, and it's just it's nice to have that idea, you know, in your in your mind. And like I have that with my dad all the time. Like even graduating or doing the talks I do, is feeling feeling him near me and feeling him being there. That you know, I'm not doing, I'm not walking this this journey alone. I think that's the most scariest thing for me is to think about like it's like him being dead and just gone. Like for me, it's like no, he's still there and he's helping me, and that's what. I think brings the bond closer together is that I know that, you know, I'm not alone still, even though he's not here physically present, that he's still doing some things, you know, he's probably helping in different ways to achieve some, some goals and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, it's just, like I said, another way to continue that bond. And you mentioned too, in your article that like you, he represents owls. Like when you see owls, that, that is like a sign that, or something that you remember him at or with. Yeah, um, <clears throat> he really liked owls. So um, I guess this comes from my mom as well. After he passed away, she went into like her friend's shed and there was just this owl sitting there, like this real owl. And it didn't move, it just stared at her and she walked closer to it and it just didn't move. And so I think now um, she believes that was like my uncle like saying goodbye, I guess, or hello, or just just saying that he's okay. So now whenever I see an owl I just think that like he's telling me something's okay and I just always happen to see one like as I'm about to go into an interview or if I'm going through a difficult time like I just see an owl and I just know that it's going to be okay which is really weird but I guess it makes me feel better. (laughs) That's good right I love it I love that feeling I love that you're getting some more confidence and you're feeling more at peace in stressful situations because of that that connection and that's really you know, you look at that's the benefit of it. And that's the the beauty of it for you in your life. And, you know, you're not crazy. You know, I hear it's all like I hear a lot of people like do this stuff. So it's like you're really embracing that and just smiling and, and remembering that, you know, for a lot of people is that you're still loved and you're still supported as much as, you know, this crazy world. We There's so much stress. There's so many decisions to make. And there's a lot of unknowns that we can sort of feel like we're just lost. Um, but like these moments can actually bring us, bring you back to like, no, like there's still people, this world isn't all like all crazy in the sense of just like random stuff. Like there's some things going on that, you know, maybe you just don't know. And to, to sit in that, sit in that presence of, of that. And so that's what you're talking about. So I'm really happy you, you have developed that bond. Do you feel that your bond is maybe, I don't know, better or, or different now that he's died? Um, with all the stuff that's going on through your dreams and through the owls? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think in some way I feel a bit closer because I feel like he's here with me sometimes. Um, Yeah, I feel like I've just gotten to understand him better and, like, why he did the things he did because I've thought about it so much. And through the dreams as well, I feel like my emotions have just become a lot calmer about the whole situation. and yeah, it's just helped me understand like why it happened, why he was in and out so much, I guess. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you found a way. I found a way to, I guess, heal a little bit and find some peace because I said like the, the losses throughout the beginning of your life is it's hard. It's hard. And it's hard to actually deal with them as you move forward because they, when you suppress them, you start like building blocks on top of them and it takes a little while to actually get to them. So it's nice how you're feeling this piece now and you can talk about it on, on the podcast and you can write assignments on it. So I can only imagine, you know, what, what this can do to just, just help you. So sort of just sharing this stuff now rather than keeping it all in. Yeah. Yeah. There was definitely a time where I wasn't sharing it and I was just keeping it all in. Um, but I guess about a year ago I started talking about it more and it's just, it's definitely helped being able to talk about it and, being able to like write about it as well to help me understand my grief that's beautiful no it's beautiful to see i always love seeing people grow and and start healing from their loss because it's a it's a lifelong process but it's like we got to get started sooner or later and it's nice how you found a way 
um, to do that and to continue going. What kind of advice would you give people who, or maybe even your younger self that was going through this loss? So what do you give like young people that have suffered a loss now looking back? Like, what would you want? Like, what would you have said to yourself or to someone else in your situation? Um, probably just it's okay to grieve. Like, it's okay to be upset, even if there's other people you think are more worthy to be upset. Um, like, it's perfectly normal to feel those emotions and to share those emotions with just at least one person and, like, just talk about it. I think talking about it is the only thing that's really going to help you get through it. That's nice. I like that. You're right. Like I, even for me, when I lost my dad, I never talked about it. And, uh, I think that was part of the problem because I was, I went through depression for about three months there and it was only a dream that really brought me back. So, you know, I can understand that what you're saying and that's great advice for me too. I would (laughs) probably give myself. Um, and now like we're talking about all the time. It was so crazy because like you're almost somebody so afraid to share it, but then all of a sudden you start and then you just can't stop. Like there's something that happens um, when you do share it. I don't really know exactly what, but it said there is some kind of healing process. And also it allows you to talk about them, right? Like by talking about them, you're talking about the loss in a way too. So I'm glad uh, we're getting to know some of the people that have died over, over your life and, and the struggles you had with relationships and, and grieving for those relationships, because I think it's a great, a great message to say to people that you know just because you're not close or you weren't close or you're fighting it doesn't mean that there's no there's no grief there's no sorrow you know like we are complex human beings and every relationship touches us in a different way and what you're saying is that you know this is almost like a disenfranchised grief where um, a lot of people wouldn't acknowledge you but you know at the end of the day it infected you and so i'm glad you're talking about it because it raises awareness on on the topic yeah yeah um yeah i guess it's just like a journey you have to get through it and yeah the more people you have to talk to about it with like you said just it helps you process it and then you can talk about the person um like i know i struggled to talk about my uncle so whenever someone would like i have this bracelet that i wear so whenever someone would ask me about it i just like oh it's just a present when it was like a present from him i just didn't want to get into the whole story so now yeah i'm definitely more comfortable talking about what happened and just him in general yeah and uh you know that's i think that's great that you're getting more comfortable talking about it because i think like that's um you know you're continuing a bond with them through your dreams and you know hopefully and and hopefully it's changed a bit for you in the positive that relationship and i know you mentioned that a little bit um, and it, it can be difficult as well. I think, um, given the, you know, how old you are is a lot of times those conversations just don't come up when you're at that age, you know, going to a house party or something, unless you're Joshua <laughs> Black, you don't really talk about death or loss. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, I think, um, that's a good service though at the same time, because, you know, there probably are people like you who have also experienced loss who are your age, who maybe are feel the same way. And, and maybe didn't get to grieve like you. So I think this is good. And hopefully, you know, if any, any of those uh, people are listening, then they can take some uh, good advice from you. Yeah. Yeah. I know like a few people my age who've been through death, but I definitely feel like it's not something we want to talk about. Like you said, we're not going to go to a, a club and start talking about the people that have died. So <laughs> unless unless if you're me i went to uh sean's <laughs> quick story i went to sean's housewarming party once and uh people asked him what do you do right so i i mentioned you know of course like the grief dream stuff and that's what i was researching and then so there's a person there that uh lost her brother and so we had a, a, a real deep conversation about grief at this party and like you could tell people were walking away other people started being interested um, but no one wanted to say anything. And uh, but it was it was really cool at the end. She was having these dreams, and we really talked about the bond she had. And it was about a good probably hour hour and a half just chatting about this. And you could tell it was something that she really wanted to talk about. And the friend that she had brought didn't even know she lost her brother. So like for me, I'm like that's crazy. But this is the truth. How a lot of people want to talk about this stuff, but they just don't have the space to. 
And, you know, that's why I'm so happy with Sean, like starting his podcast. Like we get a chance to hear these stories all the time. He doesn't need to have a housewarming party. Every that wasn't week. even the story I was thinking about. That's <laughs> oh. the crazy thing is he does this so much at parties. <laughs> it wasn't even the one I was thinking about. I was thinking of the one with your friend who moved to California and you ended up asking her about her brother who passed away at a party. Same one, isn't it? No, that's my party. Oh. This is a you're at some other party. Let's just say there's multiple times, <laughs> even at grocery stores, he'll start up conversations. But you know, that's that's obviously the good thing that I like about him because not a lot of people will do that, right? I mean, you've experienced this, Nikki, you know, especially at your age, you know, people just uh, you know, they just don't get into those type of heavy conversations. But uh, I think again, I, I that doesn't mean I don't think there are people who want to, so I think like you, uh, be a good advocate and you know just again if someone asks about your brace i think you starting to tell that story i think it does something for them and and for you probably yeah i think so like i do want to talk about it i guess but yeah i guess i'm just worried about the reaction of the other person if i'm like oh yeah it's my uncle like he passed away and the fact that it was suicide as well it's like one of those topics where you tell someone and they're just it's just awkward silence and you don't really know yeah. how to yeah <laughs> start the conversation i guess <laughs> Yeah, that, that's true. But yeah, just by mentioning him would be, I think, a good start. And you never know, they could have their own loss that it connects with. And that's what really what happened. That's why I love just bringing it up because you can tell right away if someone's interested or if they further the conversation, you could tell they've suffered a loss themselves. And all of a sudden it turns into this sort of like, I don't know, this energy where like you're sharing and you're hearing each other's loss stories. But like every, I think there's a lot of people that are longing for that tell you the truth and they're just waiting for an opening or someone brave enough to talk about it first and then they're willing to talk about it you know like there's a lot of people that are are afraid as you're saying but once you have a person that's strong enough to be able to bring up that conversation it's amazing what happens as you say like i'll talk to people in the grocery store like it's just <laughs> it's, it's just like because everyone suffered usually a loss in their life and so there's just certain people and you can tell like you don't have to like go into the whole story right away but it's just like just bringing it up and making it a, an awareness of it that it's from your uncle who died um that can open the door to see if there is further questions from the person or not yeah, yeah. that's a yeah i was just gonna say that's a great point and uh that's so funny you say that like i think about that a lot whereas people people have seemed to put you know they put their lives into categories and there's a time and a place for things and they've People have determined that death is not a good time. Death is not something you want to talk about in most situations. But like my question is, where's the right time? Where are we allocated in society where we can have these conversations? Right? You don't think about that. You just think about where it's not appropriate. The dentist office. <laughs> grocery store. I guess now they have death cafe. So I guess that'd be the yeah. place. Yeah, that's the only place. <laughs> that's what we need to do. Uh, sorry. All right. So, Nikki, uh, we have one last question to ask you before we wrap up this podcast. And that is, if you could have one dream tonight of anyone who has died, who would that be and what would that dream look like to you? Oh, that's really hard. Um, <laughs> um, I guess it would be my uncle. Like, I guess I still question if he's all right and if he's, like, happy and moved on. So... I guess I would just hope to dream of him like telling me that he's okay and telling me that it's okay to move on with my life and that he's a lot happier now. And so where do you want this dream to take place? Would it be in, is there a location that you guys found good or do you want to be in like space or where do you want to be? Space. Um... I feel like probably just in Queensland where I last saw him. I feel like that would... It's just sunny out, there and... yeah. Outside, some owls nearby. Yeah. Would you want him as an owl or no? Mm, no, just no. out there. <laughs> Quick uh, side question. Do you guys have large owls? Or like, what uh, are they? I, how big are they? I imagine they're medium or small. Yeah, I think they're medium. I don't know. I don't really know much about owl size. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, well, they're they're amazing predators. So I'm just thinking about all the nice yeah. spiders and snakes they're going to be eating up. Oh, that's doing, true, actually, yeah. Doing a good service over there. Yeah, in general, um, animals tend to grow larger in colder climates. So you probably have, like, a medium to smaller size owl over there. 
yeah. if anybody wants to email me, <laughs> the, animal, the biologist, animal sanctuary person, just let me know. <laughs> you tell you watch a lot of Natural Geographic stuff. <laughs> to be honest, and I don't mean to defer even more, but I didn't even know there were owls. I thought they didn't really have many predators in Australia. Very interesting. There's definitely owls here. Okay. I believe you. <laughs> I mean, you can That's Google it. it if you really want to. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I trust you. Nikki's got the facts. Uh, sorry. Will you be posting or uh, your essay anywhere for people to read or no? Do you ever... I'm not sure. I haven't mm. decided yet. Nice. Well, now that you've done the hard test of showing it to your class, I think you can show it to the world. That's a small step. Yeah, I just wouldn't really know where to post it other mm. than Facebook. <laughs> well, if you, you know, Joe, I'm sure we can put it on the Facebook. Yeah, group, we can. Uh, right? We can put it on our our platform if you want. Uh, if you want to send it to us, that's that's cool. No, no pressure. Just you know, feel <laughs> feel it out and and see what you want to do. But I want to actually ask: Do you have it there with you or no? Um, no, not right now. Oh, uh, because you had like um, you did a couple of really amazing like. It was like poetry, I guess, small quotes within there. Yeah. And I thought they were really nice uh, that dealt with dreams. Yeah. I like writing poetry more than actual writing, but there was a word limit, so I couldn't do all poetry. <laughs> do you have a poem on the top of your head that reminds you of your uncle? I know we're putting you on the spot, but... Um, I actually wrote one about him, but I don't have it with me, and I oh, don't know what else put okay. on my head. <laughs> all right. Well, maybe you can send it to us, or maybe we can have you on again, and you can you can do that. Because, yeah, I'd love to hear it. Okay. <laughs> I'll send it to you. Sweet. Maybe. All right, Nikki, this was uh, this was very fun. And again, it was it was really enjoyable speaking with you. And uh, it, I, there was a couple, couple things in there that I really felt the same kind of things, especially when I was younger, when it came down to experiencing loss when I was in high school and also kind of not really having a steady relationship with uh, family and uncles. You know, that really touched me. And I think it means a lot that you tried to reconnect and have that relationship with him. You know, he's obviously going through a tough time and, and had some pain in his life. And hopefully moving forward, you know, I think like you can continue to build that bond somehow in a positive way. So again, Nikki, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, so people can check out our platform at griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic. We added a donation button and there were purchases to those who donate. And thank you so much to everybody who has taken the time out to donate. Uh, we really appreciate it. If you have Facebook, you can join the Grief Dreams group. You can share your dreams or hear more dreams of others. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Grief Dreams. And as always, we like to end the podcast with love and gratitude from us to you. Introduce myself. You have introduced yourself. This is a very good conversation.